welcome back to episode 123 of Podcast Row. My goodness, we record on Tuesday nights. Our episodes come out on Wednesdays. And Jessica, we were not prepared for last Wednesday, January 17th, in the world of the Royals. But obviously, we will get to all of that. We've got health scares times three over here. But before we do, my lovely co-host, Jessica, had a birthday yesterday, the 22nd. <laughs> so first of all, listeners, hello and hello, Jessica. And happy, well, I mean, we talked yesterday and we'll see each other tomorrow, but happy birthday today, the, or not today, the Thank 22nd, you. yesterday, the 22nd. How was it? It was great. Um, you know, I, I saw family over the weekend. Um, I had some family here in town. We went out and had a nice lunch. And so I am not, fun fact about me, I'm not a really big classic birthday cake person. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually like something a little bit different. And one of my favorite things is chocolate chip cookie cake. Mm. And my mom made a homemade gluten-free chocolate chip cookie cake and she's made it before and it is so good. And she brought it to Birmingham and, um, we, we had that, we had candles and, um, so it it was fun. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite things on my birthday and I have eaten way too much of it for it to only be a day after my birthday. (laughs) That's what it's there for. Right. And then it's gone and then we wait another year or maybe we don't. I just had a friend who has a daughter who's in Girl Scouts and she lives in Kansas and, you know, obviously Emma couldn't deliver the Girl Scout cookies to me. And so they have a four box minimum to ship. And I did some really bad things with the Girl Scout cookies. I <laughs> ate, I'm ashamed. I have shame. Okay. Um, but but here's a Girl Scout cookie hack. Okay. They're really good in the freezer. And they oh, I know I put time. them in the freezer so. and then I pulled them right out of the freezer the next day, <laughs> and, but they're gone that they're gone. And so I don't have to think about them because I ate them all. And, um, so anyway, I, anyway, just eat the cookie cake until it's gone and then it's gone. So just eat it. <laughs> But I can't wait to see you tomorrow night, Wednesday night, we'll go out and celebrate your birthday. And obviously listeners, we have so much to talk about today, but I wanted to first start on a happy note, share a listener email at the top of the show. So Jessica, do you remember our friend Sandy who likes our show, but was disappointed that we don't talk about the Belgian Royals? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, Sandy uh, is very happy with us. She emailed us again after our episode a couple of weeks ago. So I want to read, um, um, what she what she said in her follow-up because we actually mentioned the Bel- the Belgian royals. She writes, I loved your podcast this week. Thank you for really hitting the royal families from Europe. I absolutely love history and the families that have shaped it. It is so fascinating. My love for all things royal started in high school with the research paper on how one woman, Queen Victoria, and her offspring shaped the history of Europe. From the last czar of Russia to tiny kingdoms around Europe, my interest was increased by Princess Diana and has never waned. There are always new things to learn. That is true, Sandy. Thanks again for the great work you do. Also, thanks for mentioning my second favorite royal family, the Belgians. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Sandy. Well, Sandy, I'm glad you're happy. A happy listener is our favorite kind of listener. Thank you, Sandy. Okay, well, before we get into the heavy stuff, and there's plenty of that to go around this episode, did you see Eugenie sitting front row at Dior menswear at Paris Fashion Week? I thought she looked incredible. 
Yes, I did. So she was in this all black ensemble. I don't know if you noticed this, Rachel, but it was like this long fitted dress and it had a long black blazer. And I, you know, you mentioned she was at the, um, the what was the menswear right Dior menswear menswear yeah um I thought her outfit actually sort of resembled menswear didn't you Mm -hmm. think yeah I did and so actually she's wearing Fendi and you might ask why is she not wearing Dior at the Dior show well Fendi and Dior menswear have the same creative director Kim Jones so it's it's Mm -hmm. all an homage to Kim Jones so I I thought it's a it's a midi dress um she's got some great heels on she's got if we can't really see it in this photo but her lipstick her lip is so bold it's such a pop of color and I think she looks fantastic I saw a photo online that I think her makeup artist actually posted up close of her her makeup and she had this um like you said a deep red lip Mm -hmm. you could also tell that she really defined her brows and she had um I'm I'm pretty sure she had false lashes on because I mean who wouldn't at this event right you make your eyes just really pop um but yeah it looked great it's it's always fun to go and get your makeup done like that and I was thinking how cool would it be to go to Paris fashion. Oh week. yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yes. And so they're in Hoka tour week this week and it's just so fun seeing all the shows. I mean, obviously I'm not there, but I get to write about it, some of it, and I get to see the celebrities that are there and from afar, of course, but it's just fun to follow along with. And I was not, I don't think many people were expecting her to be there and she was, and she looked fantastic, which you know, so I saw her there, not again, not personally, I'm not in Paris, but I saw photos of her there. I think it was Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And then of course, Sunday, the news comes out about her mom, but Sarah Ferguson, but we'll get there. But I just wanted to have a happy call out at the start of the episode, because we're about to get into some really heavy stuff. And yes, of course, I would love to attend Paris Fashion Week. That would be a dream, maybe someday. Well, as you said, we, um, we've got a lot of, of British royal news to get to today, and we're going to focus the bulk of this episode on the updates we got last week. So unfortunately, we've got a lot of heavy um, health-related news headlines to get to, so we're not going to delay that any longer. As you said at the top of the episode, Rachel, last Wednesday was a day of really surprising, unexpected royal news from our British royal family. And I remember at one point we were kind of sharing some of the stuff back and forth with each other. And, um, you know, we had we had just posted our our live episode that we had recorded the night before. So we had missed the story and, and you texted me and said, what is going on? I mean, it just yeah. felt like a really odd experience that day. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever seen a day like that in covering the royals. I'm talking like not just in the four years we've been doing the show, but ever that it's been that heavy hitting with health news. And I don't, I hope we never see a day like that again. It was very unprecedented. We'll just say that. Yeah. So we, we heard the news pretty early that morning that the princess of Wales had undergone abdominal surgery on January 16th. Kensington palace uh, broke that news with a press release and they shared that the procedure was pre-scheduled and it was successful and the princess would be recovering in hospital for 10 to 14 days before being discharged to fully recover at home at Adelaide Cottage. So as of right now, we assume that she's still in hospital in recovery. Um, We do understand that she'll be on medical leave from her royal duties for at least 
10 weeks, meaning we likely won't see her return to work until after Easter. And as a quick reminder, this year, Easter, I think it's on March 31st. Yeah, that's, so. that's right. We've got a ways to go. The press release stated that Kensington Palace would only provide updates on her progress when there is significant new information to share. So she's obviously had to postpone her engagements. Um, they they did include a piece in the press release specifically from Catherine. And I did want to read that really quickly. Um, it says, the Princess of Wales appreciates the interest this statement will generate. She hopes the public will understand her desire to maintain as much normality for her children as possible, and her wish is that her personal medical information remains private. So we also understand that in light of her procedure and recovery, Prince William has rearranged his schedule to be by her side with the children as she regains health and strength, and so he has also postponed some of his engagements for the time being. And I think I speak for Rachel and myself. I know I do because we've already chatted about this, but we really want to respect Catherine's wish for privacy. So we are not going to be speculating on any causes for this procedure. Um, I will say it has been publicly reported that it was not cancer related, mm -hmm. uh, but we are not going to speculate beyond that. Which I'm so thankful for, obviously. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, we just don't really feel it's helpful to do that. We, we do feel like if she wants to share more information at some point when she's ready, she'll do so. And um, we do know Prince William's been visiting her at the hospital in the days following the surgery. There were some photos online of that. Um, so we're just wishing her exceptional health. We're praying for a quick recovery and return to normal life. And our thoughts and prayers are are with their whole family. And, and I do also commend Prince William for taking time to be by her side and, and support her in the children's needs. Yeah, so, um, you know, that that's pretty much what we know right now. There's not a lot of uh, behind the scenes information to share. So mm -hmm. moving on from that, and, and we'll, I know we're, we'll come back and, and talk a little bit more um, yeah. about all of this, but shortly after that news dropped, Rachel, you actually sent me another announcement from Buckingham Palace about King Charles. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, well, it was as if it wasn't shocking enough that the Princess of Wales was in the hospital and was going to be in the hospital for two weeks, which is such a long hospital stay, even for a princess. Then 90 minutes later, just 90 minutes later, we get this news about the king. And again, that is not, I mean, I don't have to tell you listeners, that is not normal. It would be abnormal if the news had stopped with Kate. But the fact that it was the back-to-back one-two sucker punch, that was, I just have never seen anything like it. And I and I doubt we ever will prayerfully. So uh, before we go on, Jessica, I'm glad we didn't buy those, those plane. I'm not making light of this, but I'm glad we didn't buy those plane tickets to Italy because yeah. that visit has definitely been postponed. Uh, by the way, I want to sneak this in here before we move on to the King. Kate is staying at the London Clinic, which is described as a luxurious private London hospital. She is in a private private room. Naturally, she's got fresh personalized meals. The hospital actually offers state-of-the-art facilities, complimentary luxury products in her in-suite bathroom. They have a, an award-winning chef on staff. So the London clinic actually has plenty of Royal connections too. Queen Camilla is the hospital's patron. It was opened by the queen mother who was then the Duchess of York back in 1932. 
both Prince Philip and Princess Margaret have stayed there in the past. Philip was there in 2013 for abdominal investigations and Margaret in 1980 to have a benign skin lesion removed. And though not British royalty, American royalty has stayed at the London Clinic as well. Future U.S. President John F. Kennedy, who was a congressman at the time, was diagnosed with Addison's disease at the clinic in 1947. And in 1963, actress Elizabeth Taylor was treated at the London Clinic after falling on a film set. So just a little bit about the London Clinic. You don't want to be in the hospital, right? Nobody does. But if you're going to be in a hospital, you probably want to be at the London Clinic. And it's, I've seen photos. It, it looks, I mean, as beautiful as a hospital can be. Again, I'm positive that Kate is more than ready to go home and should be doing that in about a week's time, hopefully maybe even sooner. We don't know. And by the way, before we move on to the King, I will say that even after she won't be, we won't see her publicly until at least April, but I have heard that she is going to be working from her bed. So whether that's um, just emails or Zooms or phone calls, she's not going to be completely out of the mix. Although I wish she would rest and I wish the King would rest too. So let's move on to the King. So he is going to be in hospital this week for a procedure for an enlarged prostate. And Jessica, I'm again, not trying to make light of this, but if I never have to type the words enlarged prostate ever again, I would be okay <laughs> with that. I've probably typed that word more times than I ever thought I would in my life, but Probably, as I said, about 90 minutes after the announcement about Kate on Wednesday morning in the U.S. anyway, it was the afternoon in the U.K., news broke that King Charles will be hospitalized next week so that it would be this week to treat an enlarged prostate. So the news came from Buckingham Palace. Kin the Kate's news came from Kensington Palace. So talk about Kensington Palace and Buckingham Palace working in overdrive. This, this is in, within, again, 90 minutes of each other. And Buckingham Palace released a statement that said, in common with thousands of men each year, the king has sought treatment for an enlarged prostate. His majesty's condition is benign and he will attend hospital next week for a corrective procedure. So it added that Charles, who is of course 75 years old, will then go into recovery and his public engagements will be postponed for a short period of recovery. Recuperation. So I have heard that his recuperation period will be about a month, although just like Kate, he will be working from bed with the red boxes and all of the things, the Zooms, the phone calls with the prime minister, so on. Again, I wish that both of them would take time to rest and heal, but it sounds like they both are already eager to get back to work. So a palace source told NBC News that the king was keen to share the details of his diagnosis to encourage other men who may be experiencing symptoms to get checked in line with public health advice. Um, the NHS is um, in, in the UK and searches for enlarged prostate, I think, like, I think I, my numbers might be a little shaky. I wrote this in an article, but I think the average was 1400 searches a day and it went up to over 26,000. So, I mean, yeah, obviously, I think I, yeah, people are looking. I think I saw that. Yeah. And I mean, look, if you have to go through a health scare, at least you can make it for a purpose, right. And, and educate people about it along the way. So it is understood that 
Charles will be capable of fulfilling his constitutional requirements and duties during this time. And as such, his heir, Prince William, is not expected to step in for him this week. He is with his wife, as he should be, and he will more than likely be checked out from his work more than normal, tending to Kate. And so that really leaves of the four senior royals, that leaves Queen Camilla as really the only one that is in action right now. And I think the slim down monarchy that Charles always wanted has never felt more slim down than it does right now. Right. I mean, it always, it's felt slim down since the beginning of his reign, but with Kate out, William out, the King out, and probably Camilla at least being partially out tending to her husband, the roster just feels very thin right now. And speaking of the queen, she was asked how the king was doing when she visited the Aberdeen Art Gallery in Scotland. And her response was, he's fine. Thank you very much. Looking forward to getting back to work. And that does sound like the king of the man who works seven days a week, sometimes until 4 a.m., doesn't take a lunch. And so that's a lot. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. And, um, yeah, I was thinking, why don't we, why don't I go ahead and just share the third okay. one and then we'll kind of, we'll talk through all three okay. to, together. Um, so after the statement on King Charles was released, I mean, I don't think any of us expected another royal health scare in a week's time. Um, but unfortunately on, was it Sunday, I believe, yeah, news Sunday. broke. That Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York, who we all refer to as Fergie, has been battling skin cancer. And I think we all remember last summer, she underwent a mastectomy after being diagnosed with breast cancer. So according to what we've read, following that procedure, her dermatologist removed several moles and uh, did some testing and they were found to be malignant melanoma. She has shared that she's been receiving treatment for the melanoma in London, and she's also been at the Mayor Life Clinic in Austria, which is a medical health resort. Now, Rachel, I went to their website because I was really curious. I wanted to check it out. It was a really beautiful website, but um, according to them, they take a holistic approach to offering healing, personalized treatment plans, and they say they are located near a lake and surrounded by mountains, mm -hmm. and they've actually received an award for best medical spa worldwide, and I have to tell you, just visiting their website was a very kind of calming, relaxing sort mm -hmm. of, you know, experience. They, they've got a, a really nice uh, a presence online, so um, that's where she's been, and and now it's been reported that she and her medical team are hopeful they caught the melanoma in its early stages, and she did share a photo on her Instagram profile where she said, naturally, another cancer diagnosis has been a shock, but I'm in good spirits and grateful for the many messages of love and support. I believe my experience underlines the importance of checking the size, shape, color, and texture and emergence of new molds that can be a sign of melanoma and urge anyone who is reading this to be diligent. So from there, she went on to express her thanks to her medical team and to Mayor Life Clinic for allowing her time for recuperation. And she said she's now resting with family at home, which um, I assume is Royal Lodge, and she's feeling blessed to have their love and support. So that wraps up a very big week of unexpected um, royal news that, that we were really disappointed to get. So we've talked about all of that. Let's go back and kind of look at everything um, in full, Rachel. I know you had some other comments you wanted to make. 
Yeah, I mean, there's just so much to say here. The first thing I'll say is in regards to the Duchess of York, I don't know if this is connected. I mean, I doubt it because at the end of the year, at New Year's Eve, I believe she posted a message about how she beat breast cancer. And it was a very hopeful message, not that she shouldn't be hopeful now, but I, I wonder if she just found out about the skin cancer at the beginning of this year. And why I'm saying all this is she was, of course, at Christmas at Sandringham for the first time in like 30 years or something like that. And so I thought for a moment, I wonder if those things are connected, you know, like, I wonder if that's just something she, and I'm not saying she's dying, but malignant melanoma is not a joke. Like it's not something to shake one's head at. It's not a, it's not a benign enlarged prostate, you know, I mean, that's, that's treatable. It's benign. It's it, it, but this is malignant skin cancer. And I'm just very, very prayerful. I know that she's going to have the best medical team in the world. Um, she's going to get the best care possible. And I'm just very prayerful that she is okay. And, um, again, that makes the Eugenie appearance at Paris fashion week. And she was, Eugenie was in Switzerland a couple of days prior. Um, I think if it was incredibly serious that Eugenie wouldn't be traveling. Right. So that's hopeful. Um, but the, of the three, not that it's a competition, but of the three, the Duchess of York news probably scared me the most. Um, it just feels like getting kicked when you're down. The royal family just cannot catch a break this week. But back to the beginning. So I think that we were all kind of wondering, where is the Princess of Wales? You know, we saw the Prince of Wales get back to work. Um, then I think we were all thinking, okay, well, she's waiting until the kids go back to school. That was January 8th. And then her birthday was the next day. And by the way, why do think why do all of these things happen in January for Kate, right? Like Harry and Meghan stepped back in January of 2020 spare came spare came out the day after her birthday last year now this and it's just it just seems like January is just not the month to it's just not it's just I don't know and I've always heard the phrase things happen in threes and so I guess the Duchess of York is the third it's just it's it's all so shocking and mind-boggling but I I do not, I completely agree with you that I do not want to speculate on the condition. I mean, I've heard everything under the sun as, as to people's theories about what it is. That's, that seems like a fool's errand. None of us know, and we probably won't know. And that's okay because that is her business. But I will say that I believe that it has to be serious. And here's why, because there is no way that the statement about the king would have come out that quickly behind the statement about the princess of Wales, unless it was serious. I mean, the severity of that can be explained in the fact that she's in the hospital for two weeks. I mean, people have C-sections where literally their organs are taken out of them to get a baby out and they're out of the hospital in three days. But I, I think that it was a tactic and a strategy for the, for, Buckingham Palace to release information about the king that quickly. Um, I don't know if it worked because we're here we are still speculating, but it's it's obviously very important to William and Kate to keep normality as much as possible for the kids. And I believe that I read that, you know, unless there's an exception, which if if they're going to make an exception for anyone, it would be the Princess of Wales, but children are not allowed at the London Clinic. So that means that Kate is 
without her children face to face for up to two weeks. That's really tough on a mom. I'm sure they're FaceTiming, but um, I just think that she wants to keep it as normal as possible for the kids. I do think that Charles's procedure is, is relatively routine. We don't like to see our King, you know, being, be in the hospital, but I'm not really worried about that. Again, all of these people are going to get the best medical care in the world, but I, I am, and was even more so concerned about Kate. sounds like she's going to be okay. She's incredibly healthy. She's young, but then this Sarah Ferguson news has really knocked me on my back. Um, especially to have just beaten breast cancer and all that goes with that. And then to have this happen right on the heels of beating yeah. breast cancer. That's brutal for her, for those that love her, for her children. And I'm just sending, and I speak on behalf of you. I know you are too, just all the prayers, all the thoughts, and those aren't empty thoughts and prayers. I truly have these people in my prayers because all of these are, are scary things. And so I just, I mean, when we were recording a week ago tonight, would you have ever expected that we would be no, talking about these three no, things, you know? No, and and I just, you know, we we don't, as you said, we we don't have details and it's not helpful to, to speculate as we've said already several times. We don't know, you know, arrangements that, that have been worked out with medical staff or, or we don't have any insight into any of that. So, um, but but our, our thoughts and prayers are definitely with them. And I think as, as Catherine, um, you know, goes through recovery. If, if she decides she wants to share something, you know, in time she will. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I agree with you, Rachel. It's, it's a lot of hard news to process, um, in a week's time. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'm sure, I'm sure Fergie's rep probably, um, discussed the timing of her announcement with Buckingham Palace before they, yeah release that statement. I mean, we've seen her be more involved with the Royal family's activities recently, especially she was on the Christmas morning walk to church. And so I do think the timing of all of that was, was coordinated carefully. Um, even though it felt like, like a bit of a roller coaster for, for the public, you know, it, you know, kind of coming all at, at the same time like that. Um, I think behind the scenes, there was, there was coordination there oh, among sure. the teams. So, um, but, but yes, yeah. Sending thoughts and prayers with, with all three of them for a quick recovery and anything that you're going through like that is serious. Um, mm-hmm. despite, despite what it is, um, it, it's a big deal and it, it's yeah. a lot to, to go through. Royals may be Royals, but it, at the end of the day, they're just human like the rest of us. And the second thing is nothing. And that I do mean nothing matters more than your health. And it's very difficult for any of the other pieces of someone's life to, fall into place if your health is not there. So man, I hope that, that we're done with, with scary health news. Cause I don't know, it's just all, especially the Sarah, the Sarah Ferguson news is just really hitting me in a, in a, in a way that I just find it so unfair. And like, obviously cancer does, it doesn't play fair. Right. But, um, just to have beaten breast cancer valiantly and then this, so I pray that they caught it early and that everyone is on the mend. And so really hard pivot again, just again, health stuff puts everything 
in perspective. But I do want to mention that on Friday, we learned that Prince Harry has withdrawn his libel case against Associated Newspapers, which is the publisher of the Mail on Sunday. So this is one of three lawsuits that Harry was pursuing against publishers in the UK. And in this particular one, Harry was pursuing a lawsuit over a February 2022 article that alleged he tried to keep the details of his legal fight over police protection in the UK a secret and that his aides had tried to spin the story. So I, I, I did wonder if last week's events, meaning um, with his father and his sister-in-law and now his aunt, um, but this happened before the Sarah Ferguson news came out, although maybe he knew about it, I don't know, if, if that made him withdraw the case or if it was unrelated entirely. And what I mean by that is, again, health stuff when it hits your family, and if it's hit your family, you understand what I'm talking about. It puts everything else in perspective and the things that seemed important before the health news don't seem important anymore. I have no idea if that's what it's about or if it's totally unrelated, but he did drop the suit. So, yeah, you, um, that that's a good point that you bring up. And, and I really don't know, you know, I think there are always so many moving and changing parts with, with these lawsuits that he's been involved in for me. And I've said this before on the podcast, it's really challenging to keep up with, with all of these changes. And when we go back to it, I think this one, you know, it started as a battle to keep police protection and it's kind of branched into this lawsuit against a news publication for libel. And so you, you were you were talking about why he might have, you know, dropped the case. And I think from my perspective, you know, he's suing for police protection, but then he's also got lawsuits going on against news publications, you know, for phone hacking. Um, and then last month in this particular case, I believe if I read correctly the reports that came out, he was going to have to provide evidence that proved libel. I don't know if you heard differently, Rachel, but that, I think that's what I read. And I think that could be really difficult to prove in in court. Um, and so I don't know if that complicated his case and maybe he didn't feel confident that he'd be able to prove it was libel, libel but um, I do think it was the right decision to drop the lawsuit. And I think if the police protection is is his primary focus, and it makes sense for him to really put his attention and energy on that. Now, unfortunately, um, it does sound like dropping the lawsuit means he's going to have to cover legal expenses for associated newspapers. And mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what that will be, but it's being reported he may have to pay up to 300000 US dollars for, mm-hmm. for those legal fees. So um, that's a lot, uh, but but perhaps maybe it's less than if he had gone through with it and, and lost. I'm not really sure, but my gut kind of tells me it's not related to the events of last week. I, I think it may be going back to the, just the challenge of having to prove libel like that. I feel like it could be a really tough, a really tough battle. Um, but either way, you know, we'll, we'll continue to see how this one unfolds. Yeah, just, just a lot. And I think that story in any other week would have been a much bigger story than it is, but in context of, again, the one, two, three punch of the health scares, um, it's just, again, it puts it all in perspective. So that's that. And, uh, my gosh, that is all that we have in the Royal rundown. Cause what else is there to talk about? You know, what, what else could make the cut, but, but that just really scary stuff. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, we've got a pretty light Royals around the world this week as well. So um, we, we're going to talk about Norway. Uh, we had a royal birthday over the weekend. Princess Ingrid Alexandra celebrated her 20th birthday on Sunday. And the Norwegian royal family shared a photo of her. And they also shared a video, which I shared on our Instagram account because it was a great video. But she was dressed up in military attire. So she is actually currently completing her first training in the engineer battalion, and she'll be doing that for the next 12 months alongside 300 other Norwegian citizens enrolled in the military. And I thought this was a fun little fact that I, there, I saw an interview online uh, and I, I wanted to share this. So normally, you know, in the military, people are addressed by their last name. But since Ingrid Alexandra doesn't really have one as a royal, <laughs> she's a perpetual using... problem of, of royals. They never have surnames. <laughs> right. She's kind of using Alexandra as her last name, and she is being called Recruit Alexandra. <laughs> and during her 12-month training, she will not be getting any special treatment as a princess, and she is fully expected to participate in all tasks, and that includes washing floors and making beds. So wow. <laughs> she'll be uh, learning her her chores if she hasn't already had to do them. <laughs> yeah, nothing will humble you quite like the military. So, um, but I, again, I think it's so cool. We talked about her a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the future as female when it comes to royals around the world. And um, I just love that Leonor and Ingrid and just so Elizabeth of Belgium, um, there you go again, Sandy, there's the Belgian royal family for you. But um, just so many of these women are just taking part in, in this and um, just honestly are so strong. So I love it. So happy belated birthday to recruit yeah. Alexandra. That's so funny. <laughs> like, what do you do when you have no last name? But um, second, and I think last item in Royals around the world is if listeners, if you're missing the crown already, then never fear. So I love this news and I hope it's going to make its way to the US and the UK somehow, but there will soon be a new Royal show to binge. This time it's about the Royal family of Denmark, which as we've seen, especially in the last couple of weeks, carries plenty of drama on its own, whether it's Queen Margaret abdicating or um, the scandal with now King Frederick or Prince Joaquin news that with his children getting their title stripped. There's a lot to talk about here. Plus Queen Margaret is just like incredibly interesting as we talked about a couple weeks ago, a former chain smoker. She's just an interesting, interesting woman. <laughs> so, um, she used to say what a terrible way to be. Sorry. <laughs> like she's so much more than <laughs> just a chain describe. smoker, but I'm still like, Oh my God, she used to smoke 60. That's six zero, not one, six, 60 cigarettes a day. That's a commitment. Like that is like yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of cigarettes, but she's a very, multi-dimensional like incredibly unique and cool woman so this is going to be a good show is what I'm trying to say so her life will be brought to screen in the television show and listen people that get all over us for pronunciation this is literally a different language that I do not speak so forgive me I'm going to mess it up 
off goods nade, which translates in English to by the grace of God. That is the name of the show. The show is being developed by the makers of the hit Danish political drama Borgen. The story will far follow Margrethe's life from her birth in 1940. It's going to be set in Amelienborg Palace in Denmark's capital city of Copenhagen. The Guardian further reports that the show's producers will tell this story from the perspective of perspective i cannot speak tonight of members of the royal family and also royal court employees so the show has actually been in development for the past 18 months so it preceded any kind of abdication announcement i'm almost positive margaret did not know she was going to abdicate 18 months ago and this show is expected to be released in 2025 so again it doesn't have it has obviously a distributor in denmark right now i don't know if it has an international distributor so netflix we need to get on this because we missed the crown already. And so this is a great replacement for the crown. So yeah, definitely. Would, would, would you watch if it was yeah. on? Of course you would. Sure. She's an, she's a really interesting. I'm telling you. Okay. Well that just, again, like week to week, right? Like if I told you that we were going to talk about all those things this week, I doubt you would have believed me, but, um, the Royal Potpourri for this week seems a little weird in in the in light of everything we've just said, but we're going to go ahead and run with it because, um, I mean, technically, Camilla is really the only one of the top four senior working royals that um, that is still working. So we're going to talk about Camilla's kids today. So these kids, their mother is one of the most famous women in the world, literally is the queen of England, but we know so very little about her children who are named Tom Parker Bowles and Laura Lopez. She shares, Camilla shares these children with her ex-husband, Andrew Parker Bowles. And truthfully, they would probably rather have it that way. They would probably rather that we did not know much about them at all. And after Tom and Laura's families were invited to spend Christmas at Sandringham this year, after all, who can blame them, right? For wanting to be with their mother on Christmas. Christmas, it made me wonder who are Tom and Laura and maybe listeners you wondered too maybe Jessica you wondered too do you know anything about Tom Parker Bowles and Laura Lopez you know we have talked very very lightly about them in in a few podcast episodes a long time ago but you know no I really have not done a lot of research I'm really actually interested to hear what you have to say Okay, so let's start with Tom. So Thomas Henry Charles, an interesting choice of middle names there. Parker Bowles was born on December 18th, 1974. His stepfather, King Charles, is also his godfather. Because if you'll remember, of course, Charles and Camilla were close even in 1974. So Tom and Laura were actually raised Roman Catholic and Tom attended Eton, although he was very far ahead of William and Harry, that would make Tom eight years older, right? Than William and then 10 years older than Harry and Worcester College, Oxford. So Tom was a bit of a party boy in his youth. (laughs) He made headlines for it. Tom fell. I'll just leave that there. You can look it up if you're that interested. There were some headlines in the late nineties about Tom Parker Bowles. Tom fell in love with food writing after leaving school, and he actually credits Camilla's cooking skills and recipes as his inspiration, which I'm not sure that I realized that Camilla was such a keen cook, but I guess she is. So Tom is a food writer and a food critic. He is the author of seven cookbooks, and he is actually amazing at what he does. He's award-winning at what he does. He's also a judge on numerous television food series, and he writes for GQ, Esquire, and The Mail on Sunday. He's a contributing editor at Connie Nash Traveler, 
and Departures, and is a regular contributor to Country Life, Harper's Bazaar, and Town and Country, all incredibly prestigious publications. He's also an entrepreneur and made a pork scratchings snack and a beer brand, Chestnut Beer specifically. He is obviously much more out front than his sister, Laura, who is very, very private. So Tom married Sarah Byes, a magazine editor in 2005. They have a daughter, Lola, who was born in 2007, and a son, Frederick, who was born in 2010. So Freddie, if you'll remember from last year, was a page of honor at Charles's coronation, and I guess Camilla's coronation as well. And Tom and Sarah separated in 2018, and Tom is now dating former journalist Alice Procope, um, or he was dating her, rather. She tragically died of cancer on March 17th, 2021, seven months after being diagnosed with cancer. That is awful. There's way too much cancer in this episode. I just said, I don't like it, but, um, so that's Tom, Tom Parker Bowles. Did you know any of that about him? Yeah. We've talked a little bit about his background in food and writing before on the podcast. I I feel like maybe we talked about it when Camilla did that feature in, in a magazine, Yeah, country. Um, but that, I think that's so cool that he does that. I mean, that sounds like a really fun job and mm-hmm. really interesting. And I'm just over here wondering what in the world is Camilla's signature dish? I know, right? I know. I need to know these things. I need Tom to write a column about that. I do have to imagine that she is a good cook, but ever since she stepped into her role as queen, she probably doesn't do it as much. Yeah, I would venture not. I don't, I, I doubt she's probably cooked I mean, I don't know, maybe as Duchess of Cornwall, she had time to, to cook a whole lot, but I I'm pretty sure once 2005 happened and she married into the family, she probably had people doing that for her, but who knows? I mean, maybe she like you like to cook for fun. I do not, but you like to cook for fun. So maybe that's a way for her to unwind. I don't know. I just didn't realize that she was really into that. So maybe when she escapes to her, her country homes. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about Laura. So she was born on January 1st, 1978. Her birth name is Laura Rose Parker Bowles. Her married name is Laura Lopez. That's L-O-P-E-S, not L-O-P-E-Z, just to clarify. So she attended Oxford Brooks University, where she studied history of arts and marketing. She is an art curator. So in 2005, she became a co-founding partner and gallery director of London's Eleven Gallery, which she ran for the next 10 years. The next year, 2006, she married Harry Lopez, an accountant and a former Calvin Klein model. Okay, Laura, I see you. (laughs) Laura wore a wedding gown by Anna Valentine, who also designed her mother Camilla's wedding dress when she married Charles in 2005, the year before. Laura gave birth to a daughter in 2008 and fraternal twin boys in 2009. My God, that's a lot (laughs) in in what in less than two years. That's a lot. Um, Eliza, her daughter, was a bridesmaid at William and Kate's wedding in 2011. If you saw a picture of Eliza listeners, you would definitely recognize her. She was all over the wedding. You would you would recognize this sweet little face. Of course, that was, what, almost 13 years ago, but I digress. And then Laura's sons, Gus and Louie, were pages of honor to Camilla at the coronation. Laura reportedly gets along very well with William and Harry, her stepbrothers. They were both at her wedding. This reportedly wasn't always so, as apparently William and Laura had a bit of a a quarrel in the past, but they have moved past Mm -hmm. that, thankfully. Laura opened a Helm County's fashion boutique called Mojo and McCoy, but had to close it down after eight years. So let's talk about these two for just a second. It had to be so difficult, right? to be coming of age 
with your mother as one of the most vilified women in the world. So if Tom Parker Bowles was born in 1974, that would mean that he was turning into an adult. So 18 years old in 1992. By then, his mother was one of the most hated women in the world, right? Because 1992 was the year that Charles and Diana separated. And just, I mean, that's your mom, you know? that's your mom. And to hear such terrible things. I mean, if you were around in the nineties, you know, that Camilla was one of the most hated women in the world. She not, it's not the case anymore, thankfully, but back in the late eighties, early nineties, she was incredibly vilified and Tom and Laura were pretty grown when their parents divorced in the mid nineties, they would have, Tom would have been out of the house and Laura would have been getting pretty close to being out of the house. And, you know, I can understand completely their reticence to be out front in public. Would you want to be, if you saw the way your mother was treated for all of those years, I wouldn't. By the way, it should be obvious, but Tom and Laura don't hold any Royal titles. And again, they probably prefer it that way. Both Tom and Laura are incredibly close to their mother and they are fiercely protective of her. So I'm sure they're glad that the treatment of her is not what it was, but still, you know, it's, it's, it's so much better. I mean, it's night and day, but again, to hear one crossword about your mother would be incredibly difficult. And to have your mother be tabloid fodder like that would just be, honestly, it would be really hard. So they're you know, private. You know what I was sitting here thinking about? You said she works in art galleries. And mm-hmm. I wonder if she ever has to work in any capacity with Princess Eugenie. Or I thought about that too. Network. Yeah, um, I thought about that too. Surely they've got some some things in common there in their in their careers. So yeah, if nothing else, they have something to talk about out at Sandringham when they're all gathered there and enjoying yeah. Christmas. So definitely, so there's a little bit. I mean, there's really not that much to say because there's really not that much out there about them. And again, they probably want it that way. So there is a little glimpse into the world of Tom and Laura, and they don't have royal titles, but their mother is queen. So that's something that is certainly unprecedented. So. Hope you enjoyed learning what little there is to learn really about the two of them. Well, thanks for another fun, little interesting Royal fact, Rachel. I, you always give us something to learn and, um, it's been, it's definitely been a heavier episode this week. Um, I hope we were able to, you know, share our perspective with listeners and, and update everyone on the news. I know everyone's seen the headlines, but, uh, we wanted to maybe give some details that you hadn't heard yet. Um, in a, in a respectful way. And hopefully there was a little bit of this episode that was um, a little bit more lighthearted as well. I think we had a couple of other fun facts sprinkled in there. Yes. And I'm sorry, I was distracted because I just saw a headline that Harry and Meghan are in Jamaica for the premiere of the Bob Marley movie. So we'll have more about that next week, but I wasn't expecting that. That just came across my screen. More, hopefully more lighthearted topics next week, because this week was heavy. Well, thanks, Rachel. Thanks for another chat. You too. And happy belated birthday, listeners. Send some birthday love and I'll see you tomorrow at dinner. All right. And listeners, unfortunately, you can't come to a dinner with us tomorrow because <laughs> we're all 
scattered around. You would be invited if you could. You're in our um, hearts, listeners. You're in our hearts. <laughs> yeah, you can come hang out with us on Instagram. Um, over in that virtual environment, we are at Podcast Royal. And as always, feel free to send us a DM. Um, on Instagram. I would love to hear what you guys want us to chat about, or if you have questions you want us to answer on the pod, we're happy to dive into something uh, that you want to hear more about. So email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.